Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I am really looking forward to giving you an updated version of a podcast that I did many years ago entitled Surviving Your Teenage Dog. And as many of you know, I am in the thick of raising a teenage dog right now. So I'm going to do an updated episode. I'm really looking forward to sharing more about that with you. But before we jump into today's episode, I have two things to tell you. So one, I am doing a webinar on February 17th at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. And I'm going to talk all about the dynamics of play, communication, and training. And I am really looking forward to it. So if you love dog body language, you love dog communication, you want to learn to understand your dog better, I want to invite you to join me. It's going to be really fun. I'm going to talk about all kinds of things. Uh, Dominance. I'm going to talk about dominance. I'm going to talk about submission. I'm going to talk about different play styles and loads and loads of information about managing dog interactions, training skills. It's going to be awesome. The second thing I wanted to tell you, and you can probably tell by my voice, is that I do my best to get you a new episode every single Friday. It's crazy because I was looking back and I started this podcast five years ago which is crazy. So basically for five years, I've been creating a new episode every week. And last week, y'all, I just did not have it in me. I just didn't have it in me. But I'm back this week and I've got a lot of really awesome episodes. In addition to today's episode, Surviving Your Teenage Dog, I also am doing an episode of Frequently Asked Questions. I get a lot of the same questions over and over again, which is great. I love getting questions, but I'm going to answer all of those in the next episode. And as a reminder, if you have a podcast topic you'd like me to talk about, you can submit that. You can go to the Disorderly Dogs website, disorderlydogs.com, and there is a a suggestion box, quote unquote box, where you can tell me what you want to hear about on the podcast. So if you have a great podcast topic idea, give it to me, let me know. And I will definitely credit you if I do that in an episode. So everyone, happy February. It's been a roller coaster of a January in the weather department. I know you all listened to the winter woes episode and now we have really warm weather. You just never know. You never know what's going to happen. But Ultimately, things are really great here in Colorado, right? We're happy. We're healthy. Uh, those of you who don't follow me on the Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO, if you don't know this already, we basically got the diagnosis that Waylon does in fact have kidney disease after his escapades, but it's okay. We're just giving him a modified diet and honestly, he seems really totally like himself. We're good. We're happy. We're healthy. Well, I'm getting to the healthy department, but let's talk about surviving your teenage shock. So I want to preface this by saying that it's it's very normal for dogs in the like 10 month to like year and a half age range just to be more troublesome, right? Like this is definitely something that we observe in human kids all the time, right? I don't know about you all, but I was not a very pleasant human being when I was a teenager. I was angsty and rebellious and that's definitely behavior patterns that I observe in dogs also. So if there's nothing abnormal, right, about dogs being 
teenagers, right? Like we see those behaviors all the time. And I always joke with my clients, right? That like we're in the thick of like the most obnoxious age range in dogs. (laughs) So for those of you who have a dog who falls in the teenager category, right? Maybe they're 10 months old to like a year and a half old. uh, You are not alone. And I think you're going to find this episode to be pretty helpful. So Spicy is almost exactly one and a half years old. And to be completely transparent, Spicy really wasn't terrible, up until recently, which is so funny. Those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a long time, you know that Waylon was a crazy teenage dog. Maybe the craziest teenage dog I've ever worked with in my whole career. And that hasn't really slowed down. Waylon's still crazy. But he, honestly, it got a lot easier. But I want to talk about Spicy specifically today. So I want to highlight some things that I definitely have been consistent with in her life from puppyhood up until now that I feel like are definitely making it easier. But then I also want to talk about some of the things that are not easier right now, and that's okay. So in Spicy's puppyhood, right, we did a lot of alone time practice, right? From a young age, she was given lots of positive associations with being alone. And I'm very happy to say that she is still totally content being alone. She's a total rock star about going in her crate on cue. She's a total rock star about being in her crate when we need her to be. We're really lucky that our lives are pretty flexible and obviously centered around the dog. So Spicy doesn't have to spend a ton of time in the crate, but she's great, right? Like that's definitely something we did right. And in addition to the alone time, all of the socializing that I did with her as a youngster, right? Socialization to people and places and other animals and things. Great. She's still great with people. She's still great with other dogs. All of that, I feel like I'm really yielding all of the time and energy that I put in. Additionally, all the early socialization that we did with her going to the vet and having positive experiences there, she's oh, she's so easy. I love taking her to the vet because she loves it there. She thinks it's the greatest. The people are so nice. She has no aversion to being poked or prodded or examined. And that's so lovely because those of you who know Waylon know that going to the vet is not easy. It's actually very stressful for him and I. So I'm really happy, right? I'm really happy to see that a lot of the things that I did with Spicy early on are paying off for sure. A lot of the early training that I did with Spicy, I will say is still working, right? Uh, she, her nose touch, I taught that to her like very early on and her nose touch is really, really successful. Like there's very few scenarios where she won't like really enthusiastically do the nose touch, right? So a lot of the things that we worked on early on, I feel like have alleviated some of the pressures that would be put on her or I in her teenage time. There's definitely some things that have been coming up recently that have been less easy, (laughs) less easy. And there's definitely been kind of one of those reminders for me of like, hey, uh, dog trainer, you should probably like train the dog and work on things. I think like a lot of you, right? Like our lives are busy. There's other things going on. And I don't always have an active training list. I'm not always actively working on things in specific training sessions with Spicy every day. And over the last couple of weeks, it's been a good reminder of like, 
uh, you need to put this on top of the training list and actually do some of the training. So if you have a teenage dog, and honestly, this goes for y'all who have any age of dog, really thinking about over the last couple of weeks, what have been behaviors that you have been annoyed with or you feel like you've had to yell at your dog or remind them to do over and over again, those are probably the behaviors that you should put on the training list. Okay. And as all of you know, listening at this point that I do not sugarcoat things. Okay. Like just because I'm a dog trader doesn't mean that I'm exempt from frustrations, annoyances with my own dogs. But I also like to hold myself accountable and make sure that I'm actually doing the training. So there have been a couple of skills recently that spicy does not perform proficiently and it's super annoying for me (laughs) and I'm just like I roll my eyes at her like oh my god why don't you know how to do this and then she rolls her eyes at me and is like uh you never taught me how to do this so you can't be mad at me and I'm like yeah touche so one of those skills is in the car right in my car the dog's right in the back seat and we have like one of those hammock things i know that a lot of you have a similar setup and something that spicy loves to do is put her front paws on like the center console which personally drives me crazy i'm like oh my god get back and her getting back on cue right like getting back into the hammock is not something that i ever broke down or taught her and it is definitely not something that she does proficiently and is certainly something that i have found myself being really annoyed and kind of like yelling and scolding spicy about so that's a skill that i've put back on the training list right i've put back on the okay i'm gonna grab some cookies i'm gonna put her in the car we're literally gonna work on it right we're gonna do multiple repetitions where she gets back she gets reinforced i invite her back up she gets back she gets reinforced and then that way when i need her to do it in real life she's like oh yeah the thing we've been working on that i got reinforced for actually doing on cue and i think that this is something that it's really easy for all of us to get caught up in. Like, why don't you know this little puppy? And I will be honest, like, I'm so grateful for seven years of training with Waylon because Waylon is still himself. He's still a wild animal. But for the most part, like, he basically knows all of the cues that I want him to do. And nine out of ten times, he will do them, right? Like, he's really consistent. He's proficient at a lot of skills. And I find myself being like, spicy, why don't you know this? And it's like, right, Rachel, you never taught her that. So you need to put that back on the the training list. So I really want to encourage all of you listening to really reflect on over the last couple of weeks, what are some behaviors that you've been asking your dog to do that one, they don't do proficiently and two, you probably are guilty like I am of not actually breaking that skill down and teaching it to them. So that's one of the skills that I've definitely put back on the training list because it's annoying. I'm just like, get back. And she just looks at me with this blank stare like no comprende. So that's definitely something that I've been working on with her. Additionally, something that's been happening a lot recently is that in our neighborhood, Spicy has a tendency to kind of get overstimulated when she sees dogs. There's a couple of houses that have dogs behind fences and that just like gets her all amped up, right? And as a result of that, she's pulling. She's at the end of the leash. She's kind of staying there and she is not terribly responsive. And this is something that's very common in teenage dogs, right? Because one, their brain isn't fully developed yet, okay? That doesn't happen until they hit like two, three. And she 
is not as easy to redirect as she had been previously. And this is very common that we do all of this training and then they hit kind of the teenage phase and then all of a sudden we see this giant drop off in their response time. So I've been doing a couple of things. So one, I have been increasing the value of treats that I have. I've been guilty of not using anything terribly high value on neighborhood walks because, again, Moylan's so easy. He doesn't really need it. And I have to remind myself, like, this puppy is still young, right? Like, she just doesn't have as much experience. She finds these things stimulating. So I definitely have upped the treat game. I'm bringing higher value food reinforcements with me. And Something that I'm doing that probably will seem counterintuitive, but I want to explain to you is I'm actually asking less of her on the walk. I'm not like drilling down and being like, oh my God, I need to work on heel more and I need to do more and get her attention more. I'm actually not doing that for two reasons. One, she is not capable of that, right? Like me asking her to pay attention to me more is actually making it worse because she's like, oh my God, stop asking for my attention. There's all these other things in the environment that I need to be paying attention to, right? So what I'm focusing on is capitalizing on opportunities where she's stimulated, but not overstimulated. I can capture her attention. I can get her high value food reinforcement, and then I can let her go back to being distracted by the environment. Which I think from the surface seems kind of counterintuitive, right? Like, okay, but Rachel, she's distracted. Like, shouldn't you be working on getting her attention more? But what I'm working on is opportunities where I know that it's pretty probable that I can get her attention, even if I have to stand there for like 20 seconds before she'll look at me because that is the reality, okay? But once she offers her attention, I'm like, yes, good girl. I'm getting her that high value food reinforcement and then I'm taking the pressure off. And I'm like, okay, fine, be distracted again. And this is something that I think that teenagers, a lot of bully breeds, but honestly, this transcends just bully breeds they, you kind of reach this point of like friction, right? Where you're like kind of working against each other. Cause you're like, oh my God, dog, pay attention to me. And the dog is like, oh my God, human. No, I can't. And I'm trying to navigate that by asking for her attention when I can get it, making it super worth her while to pay attention, but I'm not over asking, right? I'm not drilling things. I'm not asking for her attention longer than she's capable of offering it. And I'm just letting that be enough for now because I know that one, she's got a lovely training history, right? She does live with the dog trainer after all. And two, her brains will come in, okay? Like she'll get over this teenage phase. It will be okay. We'll get there. So that's just a super simple thing that I've been sprinkling into our walks. And also I've just been a little bit more lenient in the like, if she's overstimulated and she pulls a little bit, it's not the end of the world. I am not letting her sled dog. I'm still being consistent about like, if you sled dog, right? And everyone, when I say sled dog, that's like, she's pulling and like pulling really, really hard against the leash. I'm still being clear about like, no, you can't do that. But I'm, I'm being a little lenient, right? So like, if we're passing the house with the neighbor dog going crazy behind the fence, as we're walking by, I'm using the leash to prevent her from getting there, but I'm not asking for her attention there because it's too hard. But once we get past, that's when I ask for her attention and she can look at me and she can shake it off and come back to earth. And that's enough, right? We'll get there. We'll get to a point where she can pay attention to me while we're walking past, but we just aren't there yet. And that's okay, right? So if you have a teenage dog, and like I was saying, this, this applies to all dogs, honestly, 
if you have a teenage dog and they're having a hard time paying attention to you, I want you to think about some middle ground, right? Like maybe we can't get their attention directly when they're distracted by something, but can we get it before or after, right? Because slowly but surely we can bridge that gap where they can pay attention before, during, and after. But if they can't do the during yet, that's okay. We'll get there. And you don't need to torture yourself and be mad at them during if you can't get their attention. Really just, you know, that's why they're on leash and we're using that, right? But once we get past that's when we'll reconnect with them and be like, oh yeah, hey, remember me? the person with the treats and your human, like, oh yeah, thank you so much for paying attention. And I'm seeing a lot of really nice shakeoffs from her, right? And the shakeoff is really that lovely reset where she's like, whoa, that was really stimulating. And nine times out of 10 post shakeoff, she's not pulling head after that, right? Like she's still walking ahead and sniffing, but not the same like, oh my God, I'm so crazy or as I'm going to pull and be a crazy lunatic. So that's something else that I'm working on with her. I will also say that I am making an effort to get her more opportunities to be off leash and get that energy out of her system because like many of you, right? I run a business. I'm busy. I don't always have the time every single day to meet her exercise needs and the leashed walk isn't always enough for her right? That's just the reality of it. It just isn't always enough for her. So I've definitely been utilizing sniff spots. If you don't know what a sniff spot is, look it up. You can just rent people's private property and let your dogs run around. It is great. I love it. I've been making much more of an effort to get her opportunities just to run, get it out of her system. I've also been making it more of a priority to get her play dates. Nothing can tire Spicy out like playing with another dog, okay? And we're really lucky, right? We have lots of friends who have dogs that Spicy gets along with really well. So I've been making an effort to get her more interaction with dogs, right? So if you have a teenage dog and maybe you don't have access to other friends, maybe daycare could be like a good option. Maybe they go once a week. They can get that out of their system because post play date, Spicy is so much easier to deal with, honestly, so much easier to deal with. So I think a lot of surviving teenage dogs is making sure that their social and their exercise needs are met. And when you check those two, it, it, they're really a lot easier to live with, a lot easier to live with. Another behavior that's back on the training list is jumping. She thinks that launching herself at people's faces is like the best greeting. And, you know, ultimately I love her enthusiasm, but she's a 50 pound dog and I don't really want her launching herself at other people's faces. So we've been doing a lot of practice, right, of greeting people and keeping all four feet on the ground and getting reinforced for that. And it's not perfect, okay? It's not perfect, but we've been making an effort to work on that. So ironically, Spicy's overstimulation and some of the things that happen on our neighborhood walks actually don't happen on hikes. It's like, it's so funny. I was telling my husband this the other day. On hikes, Waylon is the one who's actually a little bit more difficult. He's not that hard, but a little bit more difficult. And then in the neighborhood, Spicy's the one who's a little bit more difficult. So thankfully on hikes, she's actually really great. She has really great leash skills. She pays really good attention. She really has no problem giving me her attention. But the the one challenge we do have is that when we're passing people on the trail, she's trying to do the jumpy jumps. And 
I just, I don't want her to do it, right? She means well, but it's just not an ideal behavior. So something that I've really been working with, especially on hikes, is is working on the context cue of like, she notices the person up ahead. I get her attention. I ask her to walk with me. I keep a super high rate of reinforcement. Voila, she hasn't jumped on the person. We pass, then I release her. And that's been going super duper well. But that's one that I have to be consistent with, right? Because if I'm not consistent with it, she's not going to be consistent with it. And I'm really proud, right? We actually went for a hike today and we passed several people on the trail and she did a great job walking with me, keeping a loose leash with that nice high rate of reinforcement. So things are going well in that department. But like I was saying, right, I'm not immune from a dog who can be a problem child sometimes. All dogs can be, right? So we've been really putting more things back on the training list. And I've just been making a concerted effort every day just to get a few of those repetitions in. And I will say, she's a gem. She loves to learn. She loves to work for cookies. And as soon as I break things down for her, she just is like, oh yeah, cool. I know how to do this. And that she's not unreasonable. So I think that oftentimes in the teenage phase, right, we just get so annoyed and we're constantly like, oh, you're doing this. Oh, you're doing that. And I have to remind myself, right? Like one, make sure that I can meet her needs to the best of my ability. And that doesn't mean that every single day she gets to be off leash. Okay. Cause it doesn't, right? Like that's not really what's happening, but I, you know, once a week, she's getting some off leash time once a week, she's getting a play date. And if you can only pull off one of those every other week, that's okay too. Right. But I think that when you're feeling that friction and you're annoyed and you're like, oh my God, how am I going to live with this dog forever? Just look at like, what are some easy routine changes you can make, right? If you listen to the winter woes episode, I talk about this a lot, right? But I also make sure that Spicy's got nice enrichment, right? She's eating her meals out of her slow bowl feeder. I've definitely been doing more stuffed Kongs and marrow bones. So she has appropriate outlets. And those are all really easy changes that you can make to the day to day that don't take a lot of time or energy. Really remind yourself that there are simple changes that you can make every day that can make living with your teenage dog so much easier. And remember, it's going to get better. Their brains are going to grow in. They're going to be easier they're going to be easier. Something that I think is really important additionally, right, to managing your teenage dog is just considering what's happening with them physically, right? Spicy, I would say, is probably pretty close to full grown. She might fill in just a little bit, but she's gone through a lot of physical changes. She's grown a lot over the last year. And I'm a bit a big advocate for getting dogs body work, right? So massage, chiropractic, acupuncture. If that's not something you have access to, if that's not something you have a budget for, there's still a lot of stuff you can do at home. I'm a big fan of using my fingers, right? My thumb and my pointer finger and just working my fingers down along their spine. So from the top of their head, right? All the way down through their tail, that can help loosen up some of those muscles and some of that tension. And in my experience, the teenage dogs usually have some growing pains, nothing abnormal, but growing pains. And if we can get them that care, they're typically a lot easier to deal with. And I will say, I definitely notice an improvement in Spicy's behavior after she has seen the chiropractor, right? Like just get everything aligned and back into place. And I know that all of you probably don't have dogs who are her quite as crazy as mine, but Spicy's a lunatic. She has no self-preservation. She just wants to like blast around and be a total crazy woman. And that's fine. Like sometimes she just needs to do that. But I think that there's a physical 
toll that happens on her body. And I think that that's something that we also have to consider, right? That like maybe your dog's being a pain in the butt because maybe they've got something tweaked and it makes it hard for them to settle down. Like I said, even if you don't have access to someone who can do a massage or chiropractic, I think that there's still a lot that you can do at home. Like I was saying, Spicy's honestly one of the easier teenage dogs I've worked with in my career. And I can definitely see all of the things that I did with her and her early socialization window and her early life, all of the training we have done. It hasn't disappeared. It's still there. But there are definitely certain aspects of her life where I have to like, you know, kind of be consistent with her and be like, hey, I need you not to sled dog and be like all crazy overstimulated here and like just pay attention to me for a couple of seconds and just reminding myself, right, that there are skills that if I'm asking her to do it over and over again and she is not responding and I'm getting annoyed, I just need to break it down and work on it in a couple of training sessions and that usually can alleviate a lot of the frustration that we have with our teenage dogs. So everyone, I hope that this episode has been helpful. If you have a teenage dog and you feel like you need some help, hey, reach out to a professional trainer, right? I work with a lot of teenage dogs in my career because they're challenging. But in my experience, when the guardians step up and they make training more of a priority, they make meeting the dog's needs more of a priority, they really make it through the teenage phase pretty easily. And then they get to this lovely stage of adult dog brains and reliability and response time. And that's possible for you too. All right, everyone, have a beautiful weekend. Smooch those puppies for me, and I am already looking forward to the next episode. There are loads of ways to support this podcast. Many of you have left reviews. Many of you have shared this podcast with your friends and family, but we've created another way for you to support this podcast by making a monetary financial contribution. You can choose from a one-time contribution or making a small monthly contribution to continue to make disorderly dogs possible. You can learn more at the link in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.